Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com, proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team with Shorty and Gerke. Use the code PulpMX to save yourself money at BTOsports.com. All new, brand new mobile website and uh, new website itself. And uh, check them out for the best deals around. And, of course, Fox Racing is podcast presented by Fox Racing. Foxhead.com or go to your local authorized Fox dealer. Their 2015 stuff just dropped with uh, Roxon and, Sh- and Dungey wearing it. And uh, we thank Fox and uh, BTOsports.com for doing this podcast, helping it bring, us, bring it to you. Uh, what we're going to talk about today, Loretta Lenz. The, uh, the biggest amateur race in the country just wrapped up down in Tennessee. And uh, with me on the line, at least for, for part of this podcast, is uh, the editor-in-chief of RacerX Online, Davey Coombs. What's up, Davey? Just recovering from the longest, funnest, best week in motocross. <laughs> and, uh, and also on the line, the voice, of, the voice of Loretta Lins, the voice of American motocross. My voice of American motocross, Jason Wygant. Yeah, ditto. Not on the voice thing, but of the longest, funnest, best <laughs> week bit. I'm just glad I have a voice at this point, otherwise. Uh, let's start with you, Davey. Like I said, we don't have you for uh, a ton of time. You're a busy, busy man. First off, right off the bat, I heard from a number of people, maybe the coolest temperature-wise Loretta Lynn's in a long time. You know, the guys who uh, and the girls who came to Loretta Lynn's this year got off lucky. That was the most superb weather that we've, we've ever had. Uh, had the race been the week before, uh, it had been a mutter and a hot one. It was, it was literally 100 degrees on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then it, it dropped, and it, it was downright pleasant. And I think that that helped uh, the track immensely because uh, we didn't have to do so much maintenance on it because it wasn't baking. And as a result, I don't think I've ever seen a rougher Loretta Lens either. So it's kind of a mixed blessing. The, mm-hmm. the weather was cool. It made for great spectating, but it made for an incredibly rough track. And the bonus of that, and uh, I'll debate this with anyone, it was a safer track. Anytime you have a rough track for amateurs, slows the speeds down. It mm-hmm. takes uh, the courage out of it, and uh, people ride with their minds uh, a little, uh, a little more so than uh, just their confidence. Davey, you've been doing going to the ranch, and we did a, an old podcast, sort of the history. I think it was 30 years, right? Last year or two years ago? Um, this is the 33rd year. Okay. so uh, and, and so, yeah, we've, we've been there since 1982. We did a 30-year Loretta Lynn podcast. Check the archives, you and I, and we really got into it and uh, how your dad, your mom and dad started it and uh, with, with the help of some other people. And so people check those archives out. But, Davey, the question for you is, so 33 years of Loretta Lynn's, 
what do you learn every year about it or what do you what do you take away from it when you leave do you, is it something different every year is there a different narrative to the amateur I, race what, what talk about I, I, I think I think it depends I mean uh, and and it, it, you know the, the the easy answer the obvious answer absolutely we drive away we've already had two big meetings here in Morgantown uh, I went to dinner with my sister last night comparing notes we need to fix this we need to change that uh, I'll give you a perfect example. The Ten Commandments, the yeah. probably the signature section on the track, no matter what we do, there are guys like R.J. Hampshire, and, and there were kids like Adam Cincerola a couple years ago, and you just can't build something to, to, to hold those guys back. <laughs> they just blitz it. And, and you know, the, the challenge is, you know, how to sort of insulate that and, uh, you know, Mm-hmm. We 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 learned something practically with every moto. Uh, this year we we added sand to the starting line uh, to slow it down, and mm-hmm. you know we had less much much less pileups. But you know it's a numbers game when you have you know a hundred and and uh, seven starts. You, you know forty two riders each, or in some cases thirty and thirty with split gates. Um, people are going to crash. Uh, the the challenge is to make it as as easy as possible, and also you know learned is uh, if you watch something on the screen live, which we started doing this week, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing how quickly you can make a, an improvement or an adjustment to make for a better track. And thanks to the the live broadcasting at, at racertv.com, uh, man, it was a uh, it was. It, it literally, we can make changes. We don't have to wait till next year. Right. We we don't even have to wait till the next moto. <laughs> we we just see something and we go fix it. Um, and um, let let me, let me ask you both of you this question. Now, obviously, uh, R.J. Hampshire was a big story, sweeping the pro classes. But was there a class? I'll start with you, Weege. Was there a class or a rider that really, to you, was a surprise? Opened your eyes? Amazed you? Um, you know, obviously, we all know the guys that are going to be the next great pros and all that, and that's an easy answer. But was there something else that kind of jumped out at you where you were like, this is a great story, or wow, I didn't know this guy was this quick, or or even as a class as a whole? Weege, I'll go with you first. Well, I know now it's going to be that I'll say the Hampshire thing, and people are going to go, oh, that's ridiculous. You just picked the guy that won. But it kind of is. I mean, the story going in, I don't. I don't believe, and I try to talk to as many insiders as I could that went to the other big amateur events or have followed these guys through the years here. I don't believe anyone expected that. I'd heard Chris Aldridge might have been the favorite, and Plessinger always rides that track well. And I still believe that if he ever gets sorted and healthy, that I feel like the raw speed that Jordan Smith has still might be a higher ceiling than anybody. So when you just factor all that in to consider he went 6-0, and and I mean, he – those other guys had nothing for him. They didn't. Jordan Smith was hurt the whole time, so it's kind of hard to judge there. But no one else was on his level at all. And he had never even won a title there. And here he is against a pretty stacked, pretty deep field. And then he wins all six motos, which just about never happens. That was a, that was a surprise. On the other end, I'm actually, uh, which maybe makes his dominance even more impressive, usually you have B riders who are literally as fast as the A riders. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case. They were always two to three seconds a lap behind. They did ride the motos right after them, so obviously their track a little rougher. But there are some years where you're like, well, believe it or not, the B rider, he's just young enough to be B, 
but he'll be faster than the A riders in six months. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case right now, which leads people to think that the mini cycle guys that are coming up are actually the next group as opposed to the intermediates, if you folks can make sense of all that. Davey, what about you? I know I said to, uh, to you guys, obviously, Hampshire, besides Hampshire, and we still went with Hampshire. Yeah, but, well, I, I, but, I concur with Reach. I, I really, truly thought Plessinger was going to be the guy. Uh, he was certainly the guy last year. Um, there's a bunch of kids coming up that are really good, but uh, I was not so much surprised as I was reminded. That little thing they got going on out in Bakersfield, California, is working. Um, <laughs> Chet Reynolds won two classes. Uh, Styles Robinson won a class. Uh, unfortunately, Ryder DeFrancesco uh, was injured um, and didn't get to qualify through the regionals. But uh, you know, Jordan Roberts did a feature for for Racer X Illustrated a few months back, and I said, you know, he said this this may be the new Albuquerque, this may be the new El Cajon zone, mm-hmm. and uh, all those kids came through, but so did Garrett Marchbanks, Austin Forkner. Um, I, I love watching Hannah Hodges ride. Uh, you know, she she is I, I believe has the most upside of any female rider I've ever seen, and I, I think that one day she may be the one that, that really uh, breaks that glass ceiling and actually qualifies for at least the night program of the Supercross, and, and certainly uh, you really, know, huh? uh, yeah. anything she goes after. I, I think she really has a chance. And um, beyond that, every moto out there was really hard fought, and, and, and you'll hate this, but I got I to gotta name drop for a second. I was really happy that my old friend and a guy I grew up racing with, John Gruy from Michigan, finally beat all of the real ex-pros and <laughs> got himself the championship. He was named the, the outstanding uh, uh, senior vet rider. And uh, if you've ever met John Gruy, you know, he, he was a guy that came up in the Michigan Mafia, you know, guys with the, you know, the Bigelow brothers, uh, Danny Bentley, uh, uh, Eddie Warren, uh, the Bowen brothers. Well, John Gruy was one that kind of kind of fell through the cracks. He just just didn't quite make it. So uh, he's never quit trying, though. Yeah, and, and he and races every year, and he's just an all around good guy. And, and to see him uh, win not only his class but to get the recognition from the AMA mm-hmm. uh, was pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe, my, maybe one of my favorite things of the week. Looks like him and two time world champion Champers Parker. Had to go right. It seemed like they oh, were. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and and I saw him after. I mean, a, a narrow first moto, mm-hmm. and then he, he grew on the second moto. And John's like, you know, I I've been doing everything, but I just that guy still got that one little thing that I don't really. Mm-hmm. I'm just. I'm like, <laughs> you mean the two-time world champion, right, AMA right. Hall of Hall of Fame uh, rider, Trampus Parker? That one little thing, yeah. And that's 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 always the challenge at Loretta Lynn's. You know, the the sort of bringing together guys who used to be pros and guys who were never really pros, but you know, we're, we're working through all that, but that, that, that was really cool. And, and I also, I will say this, we were robbed collectively of what would have been an outstanding last, uh, moto for the women mm-hmm. when, uh, Caitlin Morrow, uh, crashed off the start in the last women's moto. Her and Mackenzie Tricker were back and forth. The first two motos, it was awesome. It was a one-two, two-one, mm-hmm. and uh, they ran out of real estate coming out of the woods. And and uh, Caitlin uh, clipped the hay bale and fell over, and the girl behind her broke her leg. Um, 
I honestly, that would have been the motto of the year. We all saw it coming, and, and uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it didn't happen. So, uh, best wishes to Caitlin. Uh, can't wait to see her get out there and uh, uh, next year uh, avenge herself because uh, I have a feeling she's got something to prove. Also, too, something I want to talk about um, Masterpool, uh, and forgive me the first name. Which one? Jake. Jake won, Jake. Jake won the college class on a 125 two-stroke versus four-strokes, which I imagine was popular, very popular win. I, I got to tell you, I didn't know, I, you know, Jerry Masterpool is a very dear, good friend of mine. He comes and helps every year as best he can to, to, to kind of add some eyes and some hands to the track on how to make it safer here, what to look out for there, or how to make it more challenging, and, and he has been an, an invaluable help. There's There's you know, I, I, Jerry, if you're listening, thank you. But he told me that his son wasn't racing, and I mistook that uh, he was talking about Ty, who's 12. I didn't know Jake was racing. So I got during practice on Monday, and I'm staying on the infield. This kid comes flying around the infield on a 125, pinned on the outside. So I actually, I made a video of it. Okay. And it was just, and I, you, it's, it's still on the Racer X Instagram. Well, later on, I go up to my friend Tommy Rios' camper, and this really good-looking, tall kid, bushy hair, mm-hmm. is like, hey, thanks for, thanks for run, post, posting that video of me. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, you know, that everyone's talking about that video of me on 125. And I'm like, oh. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm Jake Masterpool. And I was like, no. I, wow. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. So I watched him. I watched him all week. He, he, he is going to be something special. Uh, I'm... I'm he rode a 125 because he, he's 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 taking a different path to, to mm-hmm. where he feels comfortable, and his dad's taking a, a different path. And uh, man, if he when he gets on a bike uh, that is as fast as the other guys, mm-hmm. the other guys are going to have a real challenge. We was uh, Master Pool's 125 win maybe the most popular win of the of the week. Dude, even when he got, he had another moto where he got on the podium, mm. and they cheered. Like, I could not believe how much they were cheering for this dude. Like, it was more cheers for him than any class at any point at any time all week long, and I was at most of those podiums. Right. And then, once he got one of them, then it was like every time people wanted to see him get up there again. And I don't think it's just, you know, it's not just, I mean, there's an obvious storyline there that, that everybody's rooting for the Masterpool family with what happened to Jesse, but, I mean, these guys are running themselves. I mean, he's one heck of a personality, this kid, plus he's got this, gigantic wall of hair and a really cool riding style and right. all that. So, uh, yeah, that was the biggest cheers by far, even when he was getting a third, let alone winning. That's pretty good, man. To, to, I mean, uh, yeah, on a 125 two-stroke uh, against the four-strokes on at Loretta Lynn's, which is, you know, dissed up and turned up and, and rough. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive, got to say. Yep. Um, Davey, uh, I don't know how much longer we got you for, maybe five minutes or so, but um, how do you okay? So Loretta's is is known for running on time and clockwork, and despite the weather and the rains and everything else, and you have all those riders and all those classes. How do you go about changing anything? Like, aren't you? Isn't MX Sports well, sort of sort of stacked with like you? Th- you spoke about maybe doing some vet class changes or or things like that. Yeah, one class goes, well, other class well, has to go, right? One class gets added. Yeah, but yeah. But, but hold on, I want to clarify something and. Jake Masterpool actually did not win that title uh, on a 125. In that class, we, we're almost cheering. He won the last moto of the class. 
uh, kid named John Ames actually won the, the, the schoolboy B and C. And then in the, uh, the other schoolboy, uh, which was all the two fifties and, and whatnot, uh, Jake actually got, had a bad first moto and a kid named Dylan Merriam won. So, uh, you only get to ride two classes at Leatherlands, but if we, if, well, I think what Jason and I were talking about was the last moto yeah. that, that he won. So anyway, he won a moto, but he did finish, I believe, a second and a third against the 250s in that other class. Yes, he did. He didn't he win either podium, title, but he got on the podium. Yeah. yeah, he got on the podium twice, and 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 those yeah. that's that's you know he was the Jerry Robin of this year. Put, put right. it that way. Yeah, Anyone yeah. who follows your show, or follows Vital, or follows the Redlands knows Jerry Robin. So, um, anyway, as far as changes go, uh, there 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 are all kinds of things you have to consider. We had a, a big rules meeting with all the OEMs and, you know, motocross is, is it, it, it evolves every day. Guys that uh, you think are not going to be there, you know, a year from now or whatever, mm-hmm. people keep racing. They, they stick with it. And as a result, you got to find a place for them. It's like, you know, it used to be, we had a, uh, you know, a couple vet classes and then we had three vet classes. Now we have five vet classes. Right, right. And that's because there's a lot of vet guys who not only raced there when they were a kid or they went on to a professional career, they, they want to come back with their families and they have kids racing. And, and um, the biggest challenge that we have, honestly, that track is not big enough uh, as it is, I think, for 450 bikes. I don't think people have mm-hmm. as much fun on 450s. Right. And, and we need to either add more 250 classes or, or figure out a, a way to do something else because, you know, when you have peewees out there, you have pros out there, you have girls out there, you have mini bikes out there, you have mama's riders out there, you know, it, 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 you, you got to make it balanced and as good as you possibly can for as many people as you possibly can. But the challenge we have every year, and I see it more and more, is how damn fast and, and, and how uh, good these 450s have gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a challenge that you see in Supercross. It's a challenge we have in the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. It's a challenge they have in Europe, and I, I'm not really sure how to fix it. Yeah, I'm with you. Good luck Yeah, good luck figuring it out. You're right, and good <laughs> luck figuring it out. Um, well, hey, Davey, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, man. Hey, um, thanks, I'll see you, see you at Unadilla. All right, sounds good. See you. All right, Davey Coombs, Editor-in-Chief. Wow, the boss is off the line now, Weege, so... Um, now we can let loose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, he brought up yeah. Jerry Robin, and did Jerry Robin race this year? Yeah, he did all right. Okay. You know, now he's on the same equipment as everybody else. Right. And I know the whole thing was, is he legitimately good or is it a gimmick? He did all right. I think he got a fourth in one class, and there was one moto yeah. where he's running third most of the way. I think he got pushed back to fourth again. So it was one of those, you know, top five, which doesn't really get you noticed. But he, uh, but yeah, but, but he's, the, but he's but a good rider. Class. That's pretty yeah. Legit. yeah, he's a good rider for sure. I mean, if you're getting top five yeah. Loretta's, you're, you're good no matter what class you're in. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, hey, so he, t- uh, Davey touched on it a little bit. Um, actually, well, no, let, let's 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 wind up. Let's go back a little bit. Um, okay. You, it's for you. Are you in the booth all day, every day? Like, when do you get a break? Yeah, for the most part, uh, I am. We actually did get smart a few years ago. For three or four years, it was literally. Me, Kevin, Kellen, and Wayne doing everything with uh-huh. three guys other than enough. And we're all pumped and no one to miss anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way we kind of do it now is two of the guys work, say, 7 to 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. 
other guys then then two more of us will come in and say nine and then at some point those guys will take a break it's like two hours um, but with the live show we had this year, you always want to have two announcers in the tower and one on the podium. So oh. we always had to have three on and one off. But, so in the end, I used to see and probably call every single start, every single finish of every moto. Now it's probably out of the 99 motos. I'm probably there for 89 of them. Oh, okay. Like All right. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. get a little bit of a break. Um, yeah, there's a few that I miss. And it's tough because for the purposes of, like, for example, doing a podcast like this or writing stories, even if I'm not announcing, I should be seeing it anyway. So it's kind of, you almost can't take it. You might miss right. that his moto that Davey was talking about or something, even if I don't need to announce it. All right. So, we, yeah, we talked about Hampshire. And, I mean, he's trained by Tim Ferry. So there, it's not, not surprising why he was so good, by the way. But um, I, I've known RJ for a couple of years now from just going down and visiting Red Dog. And, and the kid's got tremendous style. And in all the years that you've been going, Loretta's, Okay, well, first of all, he, he swept all the pro classes, which hadn't been done in, what, 19 years or something? Right? 13 yeah, years? and there's a little yeah. caveat to that. I do want to okay. throw out that all right. um, uh, for the most part, that is almost impossible to do. However, for example, James Stewart did win every moto his last year there, but he, in the 125 days, and he was so young, he was actually still eligible to race 12 to 15 schoolboy <laughs> 125, oh, which yeah. is not an A class, but when Stewart's in it, obviously is. So, um, so that's the difference. But Carmichael, even in his last year, he did below one moto and won five out of six. Just to give you an example, how hard it is to win six out of six. So these, this is a, a real, real surprise, RJ and his performance. Yeah, and I'll give you an idea how surprised I was. So I'm talking to uh, Ryan Holiday, mm-hmm. who is Team Green manager, and maybe the most knowledgeable per- person in the country on, on amateurs because this guy's lived it forever. He used to work for the AMA. He used to work for us. He used to race the event himself. Right. Uh, this is just his thing. And I honestly, the first time I really remember Hampshire at all was at the Daytona race last year. So a year and a half ago, right. Battling with uh, Covington. And I don't believe he beat Covington. I was impressed that he was staying with him because Covington obviously had a lot of hype mm-hmm. and support and Hampshire was unknown. And then I said to holiday, I'm like, but then we don't really know how he matches up because he wasn't even here last year. He was hurt, right? And Holiday's like, no, he raced here last year. He just was in the A class and got like fifth or sixth. And I'm like, right. really? Completely. He was there. Yeah. Didn't even <laughs> didn't register. Him notice. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he'd hurt his yeah. wrist earlier, so he didn't race Daytona this year, and he was off the radar a little bit with a broken wrist or something. Um, I talked to him at Daytona. So, yep. so the big matchup, Plessinger, uh, Aldridge, RJ, Jordan Smith, Luke, well, no, Luke. Luke Reslin was in a different class. Um, there was one class where Reslin was with them. But, okay. Um, see, one of the big differences. Dave, you mentioned the weather. Okay, so let's we got to we got to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. Last year we had an unbelievable amount of rain at one point, mm-hmm. and all the rest of the week, I think it was rained on Thursday, and then Friday and Saturday they were just chasing it, chasing it, trying to get the track back in the condition. So I feel like anyone that won last year that was a surprise, it was all tainted, fair or not. Yeah. You know, people are using this race, they're scouting. So Rensland won an A-class title last year, and he thought he was going to get a ride. I mean, he was going to Unadilla. I mean, he literally said, oh, really? get me in the press day. I'm from New Jersey. It's a local race. Could you get in the press day? And then the last second, they didn't. Because I don't believe anyone took those wins seriously, because they were like, ah, it was muddy. Who was really in his class? Oh, really? But he took okay. the chance. Yeah, Rensland took the chance of staying in an entire year, hoping to get that same success again on a dry track. 
and hoping it would earn him a ride. And started the week off a little slow. But in Hampshire's last moto, Renslin completely stayed with him the whole time. I mean, it was one of the best races of the week. He was within bike lengths the whole way. Couldn't quite get him. And then, literally that night, Rock River signed him to race Unadilla. Oh, really? So, so it's so weird. He gets a ride because he kept up with Hampshire, who knew one expected, no one expected to even be that good five days earlier. But then it's like, holy crap, if he can keep up with Hampshire, we want him. And yeah. then, for good measure, he had his final moto of the other class, where he was the defending champ, and he beat Aldridge straight up in that one to kind of hammer mm-hmm. the point home. And then he said on the podium, he was glad he got to do it without any mud uh, and things like that. Oh. The other thing is, usually the consistency down there is crazy with the three motos, yeah. but I believe there were 12 of the 33 champs or whatever there are were one with one one one. Oh, that Never is, seen anything that like that. That is weird, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So we kind of thought, like, the weather being exactly the same every day, and then, as Davey said, that allows the track to be more consistent. You know, even when it's hot, the track's going to go from, from you know, uh-huh. heavily watered to dry. Here, it was pretty much the same every time they went out. So um, Now, was, uh, uh, now yeah. Jordan Smith got hurt early on, and another, another that, that kid has, has been star-crossed. Dude, I'm starting to get worried now because he can definitely ride. And yeah. I still thought from everything I heard that maybe when everything being right, he might have the most potential or the most raw speed. But he had an ankle injury coming in. He struggled in his motos. Like, he'd ride well, and then he'd catch it in one rut, and then he would immediately start going backwards. And then I think eventually he had a crash, and then it was just it. Jeez. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I to get worried. Yep. Is he turning pro? Yeah, he's not. This is a weird thing. He's not racing in Adilla, and Plessinger isn't either. Yep. And now I hear that these teams, I, is this possible? Is this Monster Energy Cup amateur all-star thing? I think it's becoming something that the teams want to win. Really? And they are foregoing their, uh, you know, giving the riders those last three nationals. Huh. Uh, your phone's breaking up again. Move, move over somewhere. Um, okay, so, so, so Smith and Plessinger may are going be, to race are Monster, gonna, Energy, Monster Cup. Energy Cup. And, and RJ will be at Unadilla. And, so he can't. And Wes, Reslin will be at Unadilla. And Aldridge, they just announced today that he's racing at the Pro Circuit this weekend. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's racing Unadilla. So, he's racing Unadilla. Okay, so uh, out of all these guys, RJ coming yep. out of nowhere uh, and dominating Loretta's, Plessinger, you know, steady climb up. Uh, Resland, yeah, good last year, good this year. Aldridge on the pro circuit team, so that says it all. Who, who's got the most potential uh, as a pro, and who, who's sort of? Eh? <laughs> yeah, be careful with the. Eh. I, know. With the eh. <laughs> I know, I know, um, I did that as a joke. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, I still thought going into the week, I. Still thought, despite how Starkovsky is, and I still was put would have put my money on on Jordan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, now now I've got to change to Hampshire. I'm not sure about Pleasanter. I'm not sure about Aldridge, and just because of the injuries, right? I'm not sure about Jordan Smith now. Uh, and the the one thing you got to think about with Hampshire is this kind of late peak. And uh, as you and I know, he had a weird deal. Like he wasn't even totally into racing. He was going to play baseball. Yeah. Um, he didn't really have good support at all. Uh, now that that's all started to, he's putting his focus on this and he's gotten good support. Suddenly, he's a lot better. 
you, there definitely are situations. Ryan Dungey is the exact same thing. It's like he just might have all the pieces yet to really show what he had. But but late, you're so not burnt out, and you're so hungry, and you're so, yeah. um, this is all so new to you. That's better. I think that's working in his favor now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're. You're. Yeah. You're not. You're not burnt in year and year out from the grind of you know, of being these little mini warrior guys, right? So when you think about Dungy, he basically never misses races ever. He's known as one of the hardest working guys. So he's putting in more mileage and putting more wear and tear on himself than anyone else for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yet, do you ever hear Dungy being over it or needing a break or do long seasons affect him in any way, shape, or form? No, he's he's the dungeonator. He just the, just keeps going and going. Yeah, but I have to wonder. I mean, I think it was like fourteen or, or thirteen or fourteen before Dungy actually got to even ride year round. Like, mm-hmm. got to go down to Texas and actually ride in the winter. Right. Uh, now Hampshire's from Florida, so it's not quite the same there. But I think in general, these dudes were not pursuing it as I must ride every day. I'm going to be a pro by age eight. Right. Um, like some of these others. So maybe that makes a difference. We'll see. Uh, I have a new favorite rider. Lorenzo Luchudo, Luchudo, Luchudo. Uh, oh God! How do you, how do you say it? I did ask him at closing ceremonies. Look, I believe it's Lucrucio. Lucrucio, Lorenzo Lucrucio, my new favorite yeah. name and rider. That's awesome. There's um Lorenzo. Okay, so this is what I'm noticing. This is the biggest trend I'm seeing at, at Lorenzo. Weirdo names. The, yeah. Well, yeah, actually, it does. It does end with my discovery of weird names. Okay. Okay, so. Maybe 12 years ago, the year-round training facility was really brought into the limelight. It was mm-hmm. MTF and GPF that started it. Millsap's training facility, Georgia practice facility. Right. Now there's Club MX. Uh, some people go to Carmichael's place. South of the there's border. tons of these spots. South of the border. South of the border. Matt Walker. He's no longer with South of the border, but he has his own thing, too. Tons of those. Um, people are, I don't know what it costs to go to these things, but I'm sure it's not cheap, right? Right. Now, what's starting to happen is the new cottage industry, if you want to make money with these facilities, is the riders from overseas are just, like, shipped over here, I guess by themselves, like, probably without their parents <laughs> half the time. Like, you're fast. We're from a country that doesn't have a lot of motocross. You're gonna just going to live at MTF, and this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where um, Anthony Rodriguez came from. He was an MTF guy. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Kershaw. They're not American. That's why their names sound strange. Well... I guess a rod so, is pretty common. But where's Lorenzo no. from? Uh, I don't know, South America or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, now, now, he speaks a little bit of an accent. Now, I was told from somebody I talked to yesterday that these riding facilities are out of hand. Where the riders, you, for, okay, first of all, the the riding facilities are going around trying to recruit kids to leave a facility and join their facility. Uh, second of all, when the rider pulls off, I was told there used to be like a Cowie, a Suzuki, a Yamaha rep there to greet you as you pull off the track. There are now riding facility reps with towels and hats and the OEM reps. The guy, oh, absolutely. The guy I was but talking I to yesterday. The, the, the riding facility reps would just say that's part of the full service. You know, we'll be there with a towel and a bottle of water as soon as your moto's over. But right. it has definitely become, you know, if you think about how these things literally started, I mean – Millsap's training facility literally was just a way for Davey Millsap's to race mm-hmm. or train or practice. And Georgia practice facility was started partially by Josh Woods' dad. So Josh and other kids from Michigan would have mm-hmm. a place to ride in the winter. Right. 
So at one point, they were not really businesses, I'd say, as much as they were just ways for kids to, to ride and train and get ready for Loretta's. But now they are businesses. So I'm sure there is recruiting going on. And why wouldn't you? Wait, man, if we could get a half a dozen kids from outside the United States, a market that our competition isn't even tapping. Do you, do you picture these kids, like, stowed away, like with their RM80s, underneath the ship's hull? And the captain opens up the thing and throws them some bananas and apples and then shuts it again. And, like, you know, they've got their little – they've got their, their chest protectors on and their, their helmets on. And they're all stored underneath the ship going to MTF just across the Atlantic Ocean. That's what I pictured it as. Dude, I always say that if, if for some reason I was totally over it and felt like I was screwed and I just wanted to pull the pin on the industry, mm-hmm. could you not just call 60 Minutes and say, like, hey, you need to go down <laughs> – to the Florida Georgia State line. <laughs> Check these places out, bro. They're gonna go you the got... band. They're gonna go the band. Florida Georgia line. What? Yeah, Florida Georgia line. I'm like, this is what they. This is not what they're singing about. The, you know, in motocross terms, it all makes sense and it all is fine to us. But if right. you were from outside the sport right. and you knew that they were like 14 year olds who were, I mean, I suppose homeschooling is going on, but let's just say that <laughs> school is not the number one part priority in their life. Like, right. It would be with most 14-year-olds. And they're riding dirt bikes, which many people would say are dangerous. You know, they are racing as amateurs, so there's not really a lot of money. And the pot of gold of the end of the rainbow is not very large, so there's only a few of them are going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, injuries, I should say it again. Uh, then you're bringing in riders from overseas now who are doing this. I mean, you can go as far back as Davalos was an MTF guy as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, it's just wing in a prayer. Right? Life existence, which in motocross seems to make sense, but if you called some normal media outlet and said, check this out, they'd be like, what? Well, you know, I read uh, I read Andre Agassi's biography a little while ago, and, yep. like, there's a Nick Botterill uh, tennis school uh, in Florida, and there was another one, the arch-rival tennis school, and yep. Andre wrote about life in these school, and it sounded remarkably like a, a motocross riding school, although, admittedly, I have not spent a lot of time at these facilities, but... Like, you know, just terrible food, just run by a dictator, practice, 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 practice. Like, that's all you care about. Your parents will ship you off. Andre was shipped off from Vegas, you know, to Florida. So, I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like right up Well, back, I don't know, you know if it's – I've actually coincidentally talked to a few people that had a similar comparison. You, people at the races would not believe this, but Big John, the security guy who's always cruising around in the four-wheeler enforcing things. You know Big John, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to go with John Ayers cruising around in his Terex, but... <laughs> no, I don't think John Ayers has any, any tennis experience. Hmm. Big John, believe it or not, was a tennis pro, and then he worked at the Volteri uh, oh. Tennis Academy. Yeah, oh. that one in Florida. Big oh. John, both a former you NFL just... football player for the Oilers and... You just blew my mind. You just blew my mind right now. I know. He's the least, <laughs> as I always say, he's the least looking like he played tennis looking guy ever. <laughs> exactly. You look at him and you're like, NFL player? Yep. yep. Tennis player. Right. Um, and Roger DeCoster's son was yep. actually a, a up-and-coming, like, tennis-aspiring mm-hmm. guy. Uh, so maybe, like, six or eight years ago, I said to Roger, because he's the same thing, he had to send his kid to one of these academies. And I was like, man, that's got to remind you a lot of these minibike parents, right? And he's like, no, no, the tennis is much worse. And I'm like, worse? <laughs> and he's like, the work, the pressure, mm-hmm. it's much, much, much worse with tennis. So... I, I don't want to compare it that way in all ways. However, mm-hmm. it is inarguable the injury factor, which yeah. has got to be worse than just about any yeah. sport, except maybe football. Obviously, we're learning a lot now about that. But um, from the pressure standpoint and all that, 
there are probably other sports. I'm sure gymnastics, swimming are similar. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, you throw in the injury thing and the idea that there's not a lot of school going on. Um, um, it makes sense to us because this is what we know. But I shudder to think if the wrong person yeah. got their hands on that this is going on. The uh, I watched the live stream a lot last year because, you know, Tim Ferry was making a triumphant return yeah. to racing. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch it so much this year. But what was yourself and Kevin Kelly, uh, obviously uh, two funny guys, um, and then uh, Wes Kane, who is Wes Kane, um, what was sort of the funniest jag you guys got on? Was there one that after eight hours of, of calling races, there was something that you guys – just started talking about that made no sense, but you well, just... you know how Davey um, mentioned that you can learn a lot now that you've got a live broadcast. Yeah, yeah. So we have a lot more people keeping track of things than than we used to, and by <laughs> things I mean the weird things that uh, uh, West Kane says. Yeah. So at one point, West Kane and I are announcing a moto, and he says, "This is a pure six brawl inside the squared octagon," and he just sells it so good mm-hmm. that it didn't even occur to me how bizarre that was. <laughs> and then Kevin comes into the tower, and he's like. Wes, did you really just say they're in a squared octagon? <laughs> and I realize that Wes Kane probably doesn't know why it's, the octagon is right. It's called, called an octagon. octagon, right? Right. It's just a cage, right? Right. Like he doesn't know it means eight sides. Eight, right? Exactly. Right. So squared octagon was just being driven into the ground, <laughs> and then there's this tunnel jump that's been there at Loretta's forever. Right. So you can walk from the first turn to the infield. Mm-hmm. And one time somebody called it the Tunnel of Love, and that was it. Now it's the Tunnel of Love. Like the lamest, dumbest, <laughs> right, right. dorkiest name for an obstacle you could ever have in a motocross track. And oh. we just kept going with it. It was the Tunnel of Love. And then I'm trying to think of some of the other West Kane ones. At the end of the week when he signed off, he said, it's been my pleasure being me down at the podium. Really? Yes. It was his pleasure being himself. Right. You know, half half the fun with our sport is the people who don't actually ride. And somehow they become stars or they think they're stars. We got doctors with nicknames and announcers and uh Yeah, West Kane had West Kane Mafia shirts and hats. Right, right, right. His own his own mafia. He, he's declared himself a brand. He has himself. We have At one point we had Tyler Bowers up in the tower. Mhm. And Wes does the uh, arena cross announcing and podiums as well. So he's bench racing, and he wants to talk about Tyler Bowers, and I think also mention how much knowledge he has about arena cross. Mm-hmm. And he, Wes just keeps going on and on and on about making these points about Bowers. And eventually Bowers, the non-professional announcer of the group, has to say, well, that's all good, Wes, but let's put our attention back on this battle going on in the track right now. <laughs> right, right. Tyler Bowers had to do that right. you know, out of respect to – the three laps of racing that just wasn't even caught. Stop talking about me and you and arena cross and let's stop. Yeah, you know, yeah. But the thing it's is, a bizarre sport. We, um, we I mean, we 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 dig into each other pretty bad. I mean, I had these plaid shorts on. I think the first day we're on TV, mm-hmm. I always get screwed because I show up at the track wearing something, and then they're like, "Okay, here's today's shirt," uh-huh. and you have no idea what it's going to be. So it's a tradition of me looking terrible on the podium. And the best part is, one year they're like, "Look how bad those shorts look." And I'm like, well, I didn't know what shirt I was going to have to wear. They don't. I, I right. didn't know that I was going to have red and, and green or whatever. Yeah. And then somebody's like, dude, you look as bad as you did last year. And I looked at a photo, and it was the exact same shorts <laughs> from the previous year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we dig into each other pretty bad. And I think 99% of the people get it. Right. But there probably are a few people out there that think we're ripping each other. But, I mean, I will go 
to war to make sure that it's still uh, Wes Kane and Kevin Kelly up announcing on a tower. Like, we make fun of each other, but right. for that long week, you have to have that element. We're not looking for – I don't think any of us are unprofessional. Like, when the racing's good, we call it and we tell you what's yeah. going on. But you have to have that level of goofballness. So I actually enjoy working with Kane. And then we also have Rodney Tomlin, who does our GNCCs. And as somebody said to me the other day, he's the cruise control of announcers. <laughs> Just set him on 65 <laughs> miles an hour for the long stretches. He'll take you through. He'll I mean, deliver, this is the guy. He'll, take you, from, he'll take you from point A to point B. Dude, in GNCC, you don't literally see them for a half hour. What are you going to talk about? Right, right. So if there's a moto that's going a little bit, uh, this is boring. Nobody can take it home like him, so we got a pretty good deal going. <laughs> All right, hey, let's take a commercial break here on the uh, BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing, foxhead.com, BTOSports.com. Use the code PulpMX to save yourself money at BTO. And listen to this race tech commercial to save yourself money on uh, some suspension needs that I'm sure you'll need uh, for your bike. You've probably been neglecting it. So listen to this commercial, and we'll be right back. Uh, talk more Loretta Lens with Jason Wygant. BTOSports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension. And they've been around a long time. And their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people. At least uh, change your oil in your new bike. Use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thee, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Race tech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, and we're back. BTOSports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Um, your vet classes, let's touch on those. Uh, Davey talked about John Gru. Was it Gru? Gruy. Gruy. Chewy. Chewy Gruy. Chewy Gruy. Finally yeah. coming up on top in his class. What else from the vet classes stood out for you, or who else, or, or, or what did we see? Robbie Renard took home a, a title or two? Yeah, I'm genuinely surprised that now my man Barry Carson has been coming for a couple of years, and he never really gets it going. Like, first year I was like, okay, these guys that are racing it every year, they're used to, mm-hmm. Lord, it's just different than any other event. You know, you practice on Monday, you don't practice again the rest of the week. Right. Track changes, blah, 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 the heat, whatever. But uh, I don't know. He just doesn't really have it. Like, I really thought that he'd eventually win a title down here, but he's okay. You mm-hmm. know, he's getting third, fourth, fifth. Yeah. But then you have these lifers like Gruy who just, man, like he's just raced it every year and he just knows how to get it done. But the best race of the entire week, because of all the controversy of these ex-pros coming back, and right. I think it really was Emig in like 2002 that really started that as being the trend, like the very, very highest level guys coming back there. Right. And now it's all the rage. They changed the 30-plus class to BC. So Mm -hmm. if you're in 30-plus, you cannot have been a former pro. 
And that class is usually awesome because those dudes know that's the only chance they'll ever have. Like once they're 35, yeah. they're probably not going to beat some 30-year-old BC guy, and they sure aren't going to beat Robbie Raynard. So those guys put it all on the line, and that's the, that's the biggest thing they'll ever have. They're never going to win a Supercross. They're not going to turn pro at 32. So the racing's always good, and this year it was these two guys on Kawasaki's. This one guy, um, Reed Edwards from Washington, mm-hmm. and this other guy, Chad Murphy from from down south, and, man, they battled oh, yeah. every inch of all three <laughs> motos. They passed each other three times, like a lap and yeah. a half to go. Oh, no way. Yeah, and then yeah. Chad Murphy wins, and then his mom's, he's like, it's my mom's 65 birthday, and she's crying, and my dad couldn't be here, my dad passes what we always want to do. I've been trying for six years to try to win a tile here, and, you know, <laughs> it was awesome. Right. And these are the true amateurs. That is the, yeah. well, yeah, I'll just let him say it. He literally said, Besides marrying my wife and my kids being born, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> right. Which I think you're taking it a little far. You're, you're not going to get a ride. You're spending a ton of money to be there. And sure, it's great. It's a great accomplishment to win, but let's back but it down. But that's what I mean for let's, these guys it is. Like, that's the greatest thing they're going to accomplish. That's their high school football touchdown. Let's back it down a little bit. They'll relive forever. <laughs> but, I mean, for Raynard, yeah, he's not going to say that. Do you... Should they, okay, so growing up, and and you know, all of us, the number of Loretta Lynn titles really meant something. Um, the great Timmy Ferry with seven when he left, he was the all time winner, uh, leader. Uh, Stewart's passed him, Alessi's passed him, and there was a lot of debate as usual with the Alessi's because people felt like Mike sort of cherry picked easy titles to win. Now, I don't know if that was true or not, I don't follow it that much, but. I would only say his last year, there's no doubt they went around some people. But I'm not going to take anything away from him. When yeah. you were on 80s and stuff and there was no hiding. Okay, so here, here's, my, people. here's my point then. Um, Renard at, is adding to his titles, his number yeah. of titles. He could easily end up being number one by the time it's all done. But is he number one? Do I, we I agree. Count I know what you're do saying. Do we count Great that? question. Right. What do we, how do we do that? How do we, do we now say Robbie Renard is the greatest Loretta Lynn's rider ever? I think what's going to have to happen is, and here's already, this, this bridge has already been crossed. Oh, okay. This term needs to stick. Okay. Um, the still number one all time is the never mentioned, never talked about, do not dare bring up his name, <laughs> Kevin Walker. Right, right. And he's got 14. Like, he's still a year, it would be a year or two before anybody, yeah. would only be able to get to a year, could get him. Uh, but he's not even talked about anymore because he's had some off-track controversy, uh, and he's not racing anymore, so he doesn't get brought up. Um, but even then, once he went ahead, and it was like the first time ever you had a vet rider who was greatest ever. Yeah, I don't feel like we even when Kevin was when Kevin was hot when he was popular. Let's yeah. say I don't feel like anybody said, "Oh, there's you know that really matters or that really counts." I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, anyway, I believe AC tied. Stewart and Alessi. And then, I mean, he could have raced Loretta's last year. He forgoed it. Yeah. You know, he could have easily had that record. And the record, I think, you're going to have to start separating whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, pre-professional, maybe. Mm-hmm. You can't call it youth because youth is an actual AMA rule. You know, classes that have it, like the A, is, yeah. a and B classes don't have an age. Yeah. So they're not called youth classes. But there has to be some sort of term to separate the guys that just want a bunch of vets. And obviously, Timmy added one last year, and Raynard's adding. They did win some on, Easy you know, as true that, amateurs as well. That counted. Timmy's got eight now. Oh, I know, Timmy. But I'm saying, right. 
Stuart, Alessi, and Cincerillo being tied with 11, they're, that really does mean something. Yeah, they're, they're mean, the great, yeah, right. Yeah, because no one's going to argue that they're not three of the most prolific amateurs ever. Right, absolutely. So they should live together in that category. So I think somebody's got to invent the term, because they're already there, because when Cincerillo tied those guys, they're like, well, where is that all time? And I'm like, it really is first. Right, right. You know, that he did it before the age of 16. Yeah, because Robbie you know. would have probably 10 or 11 now, right? Robbie's got it. Yeah, I think it's 11 now. Okay, because he won three in the last two years. So Right. So in the same playing field of, hey, you started racing on 50s, mm-hmm. and you raced it every year until you turned pro, he got 11, Stewart got 11, Alessi got 11, Timmy got seven, Rayner got seven or eight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, it, um, you're adding a whole lot of extra years, these vet guys, to get more numbers. Is there, looking at the uh, 60s, or maybe the shaft drive class, or the 80s, uh, who's next, Weech? Who's next? I know Davey mentioned the Bakersfield kids, but is there... Well, there's a whole West Coast movement that I've just realized here. Um, you have this Bakersfield deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of them that are obviously fast and doing well. Robertson actually won two titles. And so have you ever been to Bakersfield? Before. Have you ever been to Bakersfield? Uh, no. Okay. It's a, it's a shithole. <laughs> That's all I ever hear. That's I don't know how done. those kids are so fast. God bless them. I don't know where they're riding. Uh, we went up there to ride one time. I was up there with, with Ty Birdwell back in the day. Um, and there was no place – I mean, this was a long time ago, but I don't imagine it's gotten better. I don't imagine there's been more fertile loam tracks put in, you know? Um, No. The the parents just claim it's a coincidence. I think the parents are all into racing, so they, like, probably got their kids started early. You know, it's not like the the Cincerillo deal was weird, you Uh know, where he found it on TV and and whatnot. You know, you get – obviously, Tony Alessi and Big James Stewart – Right. The day their kid was born, it was like, okay, three years from now, he gets on a PW. Yeah, exactly. Okay, he was... And I think all those kids in Bakersfield are like that. Right. But uh, what I'm noticing is the West Coast making quite a resurgence. I mean, when you think about the training facilities, mm-hmm. they're all in the Southeast. Yep. So a lot of the riders that come out of there. But most of the riders are literally from those areas anyway. They were from Florida. They were right. from Georgia. They were from North Carolina, something like that. A lot of the fast kids that have come through in the last decade mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. Um you had these Bakersfield kids, and KTM has a pair of riders, Josh Varese um, mm-hmm. and uh, Pierce Brown, who were really fast. They won some titles here and there. They had some bad motives, but I thought they might have been the fastest of their group, and they're both, um, they're both ride at Paris. There's a guy named Jimmy Sloan who owns Paris, and I think Milestone both now. So he owns those two tracks, and I think these kids are sponsored by him. Okay. Uh, they call it West Coast Chill. West so, Coast Chill. West Coast Chill, yes, both sponsored by West Coast Chill. <laughs> um, so this Paris Milestone Southern California thing, I mean, there hasn't been a straight-up California no, uh, I mean, deal in a while. We, I mean, I just, I think I put this on our group text, or I, I did this somewhere. Weston Pike and Josh Grant were like the only two native Californians in the top 15 in Supercross. Or top yeah, 20. Yeah, now some of these kids, yeah. I believe uh, Pierce Brown, I think, is actually from Utah, but this is where he rides. Yeah, okay. So I'm just saying that there's right. been a, but the same thing with MTF. Not everybody was from Cairo, Georgia. That's just oh, where they were listed. That's from. where I thought Davalos was from. Yeah, exactly. So, right. but the point is, there's some between the Bakersfield group and some of these kids that are doing their riding at Paris and Milestone, and are turning out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a West Coast resurgence, I feel. Um, where are we at in terms of manufacturers? So you talked about those KTM kids. Where's KTM's amateur support situation at? And is Suzuki coming back at all? Well, Suzuki said they are, and I can say they're going to come back only in it can't get much worse. 
<laughs> right. Dude, there are ver- barely any Suzukis on the track at all. I don't know. Like, honestly, I know things are tough over there with the yellow guys, and they farmed out their, their factory team to Yosh and all. But you, the re, there's no 250Fs racing pro, basically, now, and, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. You got it. No, you I don't have understand. To. So they yeah. had Pat Alexander there. I didn't even realize. Apparently, they didn't even make an RM85 the last few years. Did you even know that? No, I did not. They just didn't even have, they didn't even bother to crank up the assembly line. I'm sure it's the same. You know, it would have been right. the same old thing, right. but they right. didn't even bother with that. So their big announcement was that the RM85 will be back. <laughs> and they were celebrating their one title with Hannah Hodges. Uh, and I'm like, wow, in the end, they only won one. Yeah. Um, so KTM has grown tremendously. Somewhere out and there, now I'm cold starting gr- to wonder if KTM is actually growing, or is it just somebody had to take that twenty percent slice that Suzuki had? Yeah, it's somewhere out there, Colgrass is is crying. He's the little single. Uh, I know, I know. A single and, tear. And Pat Alexander well. is kind of ahead of it all. He went to Loretta last year. I saw him at Daytona this year. Yeah. I even said, I'm like, man, you guys trying to bring it back to where you were when? Yeah. I mean, they probably were the strongest of any brand for a while. Yeah. He's like, don't even yeah. remind me how many pros today that are good used to ride for us. Oh yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous how many guys rode for them. Absolutely. So, um, Honda had very little presence at all. Suzuki has very little presence. I mean, Suzuki at least had a nice setup in the pits and stuff with display bikes, but mm-hmm. as far as the racing, it wasn't very good. So it is KTM and Kawasaki all over the place. A little bit of Yamaha. And big bikes, Yamaha had a pretty good week. But as far as mini cycles, yeah. there's only two companies... But really, I feel are going after it at all. But okay, so we've talked many times about Mitch has Cincerillo. Now, somebody I spoke to this week said Aldridge is just—I mean, he's just going to be okay. He's not going to be a guy. Uh, he's right. going to be okay though. Uh, yep. But we so they got Cincerillo, and that's a good job by them. And and he's Adam certainly on the way to be one of the best. But you look at this Geico Honda thing, uh, Barsha and Kennard and Grant and Tomac, and now you have R.J. Hampshire and Jordan Smith if he figures it out. Justin Bogle, certainly he could win two titles next year in, in out, indoors and out. Yep. These guys, these Geico guys, and maybe it's because they've, you know, they sort of hand-select one or two only guys, and I know talking to Mitch, he says Team Green you know, does the scatter shot thing. Um, this Honda guys have really, they've they're surpassing Kawasaki right now. Yeah, but I think that's a story that's already been known. You know, I think three years ago you would have said the exact same. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. But it continues, I guess. It, this is. Yeah. This what is... I find interesting is <clears throat> most of this development and most of these kids that are becoming stars and stuff, it's all happening on the big bikes. I almost feel like the mini cycles are becoming less and less mm-hmm. of a uh, a proving ground right. over how it's really going to work. That transition. I mean, the amount of times I've seen, okay, so Plessinger was okay on many bikes. He was all right. He was pretty good. I think he won a moto once or twice or something. Mm-hmm. And then last year in the B class, all of a sudden he's like six foot two, and he's just killing it. And right. I would have never thought watching it on. So I know Plessinger well because he grew up racing GNCC, and I really would have been excited. I was like, man, this would be awesome if this guy could become good at moto. It would really give respect mm-hmm. to GNCC guys. Plus, his dad has won the GNCC title. Yeah. But on minis, I was like, man, I just don't know if he's going to be quite good enough. He's like right. top three, top five. But then all of a sudden, Big Bikes takes a huge step. It's happened with a ton of these guys. That's what Kennard did. That's now what Hampshire did. I feel like Dean Wilson was like pretty good on minis. Then he went to the B&A class and really yeah. hit his stride. So 
I'm almost thinking that these groups are like, like, dude. Where like we used to see Stuart, Carmichael, and Renard, Adam, on 80s. And they and were crush all the crushing way everybody, yeah, all the way yeah, through. Yeah, and they right. would just be the same no matter what kind of right. they're on. I right. feel like now they're just like, well, we'll just wait till they turn 15, and then we'll have them for the next two years be A, and then they'll be pro, and they'll be awesome. We'll just wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Honda right? has zero right. presence in the mini class at all. Suzuki is zero. Well, Yamaha has, I think, one kid that's pretty good named Chase Sexton. But for the most part, it's just KTM versus Kawasaki, because I think they're the only two that are thinking, you know, that's their playbook, that scattershot yeah. deal. Yeah. The- uh, Cowie's in good shape, by the way, with Austin Forkner. He's going to be. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be really good. And I mentioned before the B riders. The best, the best B rider was um, uh, this kid named Tristan Charbonneau, and he did do really well. Um, but it wasn't one of those years where he, as the best B rider, was mm-hmm. as fast he, as the best A rider. So I'm not saying he can't do it because you never know. Like we've seen this playbook before, he could all of a sudden just kill it these next two years and and be the guy. So is Charbonneau from the Northeast? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think okay, because there used to be a pro guy named Charbonneau up in the Northeast. There was a Chad Charbonneau. Yes. Related oh, okay, all right. Just a weird name. Um, well, what about Lorenzo? How's Lorenzo? We need a guy named Lorenzo in the sport. Just like we needed an A-Rod. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm proud of MTF for making these things happen. Yeah. We needed a Lorenzo. We needed, a, we um, needed an A-Rod. Uh, big talk. We did a little podcast uh, maybe a month or so ago. Transgender girl uh raced the the women's class the she was dq'd sort of kind of at the regional they didn't know what was going to do it was a very sticky situation but she she was allowed to race loretta's and but sort of the fears of some of the women that this that she was going to come in uh that this girl was going to come in and just dominate didn't happen didn't happen no no i even heard it reminded me of y2k <laughs> i was working at disney world of course at that time and it was like when they counted to one, everyone was afraid the lights were just never going to turn back on. Right. Like the computers are going to melt down. Yep. So there was a rumor that the gate was going to drop for the first women's moto, and everyone was just going to stay there in a boycott, girl cot, girl cot. Girl. Boycott, a, sex, a sexist term now? I don't know. It's a good point. Girl cot? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, right. I'm just saying, it is a women's class. Right. Boycott wouldn't be fair. No, good point. But the gate um, dropped, and everybody did race. And I'm sure at one point everyone was looking to see the result, and it was just 19th or 20th. Not terrible, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I just think she had won the regional, so right. And then there was you genuine, said a genuine fear that she was going to go out and dominate, but it did not happen. And besides the girl caught talk, you also said that there was somebody, people who were saying that she is is faking this, and she is really, really fast, and she is sandbagging. Yeah, I did hear an accusation. <laughs> Once the results weren't unbelievable, right, then I right. heard. Accusation of sandbagging. So then next year, when people aren't looking, then uh, she'll come out and unleash right, fury, right. And dominate. I don't. I mean, come on, people. Hey, the thirty BC guy said it was the greatest day of his life, besides <laughs> wedding and kids. Don't don't count anything out. Um, is, no, I'm kidding. There's no chance that she was sandbagging. Yeah, right. Why would you go through all that work just to <laughs> screw up on purpose? And, and not even screw up and get the top ten. You're going to get in the top twenty. You're just going to. Yeah, run. I'm going to race regionals and do all this training and do all this yeah. riding, and I'm going to come here and purposely just throw it away. On, like, come on, right. Um, um, but good controversy there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll see what happens from there. Uh, Plessinger not winning and not racing Unadilla. I don't want to say this is a disaster, but this is sort of wasn't this wasn't the plan, right? This wasn't Yamaha and Star Racing's plan. There, there's something his performance during the week, his his pro debut being postponed 
this is a little little off course, a little off the chart. Yeah, because remember, he actually won in arena cross. Remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't just show up, but won. Uh, so there was a lot of hype going for him. The first mode he was up against Hampshire. Hampshire just absolutely blew him and everybody else away. I mean, he passed him. He left him. Their second moto, I believe on the 450, Plessinger's better, and Hampshire's a little better on the 250, so it was a little bit more close to even. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Plessinger was matching him and even, like, inching up a little bit. It was, like, three and a half seconds, and it was three seconds. And then Plessinger's bike blew up, and he went flying. And then he, I think he broke his big toe, so he was never quite the same. But, I mean, at this point, you're going to have to roll out a lot of excuses to not just say that Hampshire was hands down the best guy. I think you just have to give it up. Yeah, yeah. And the fear is, here's, here's a little fear, I think, that would be in the back of the mind for any of these dudes that are going to race Monster Cup again. So this Austin Fortner kid has dominated that super mini race there the last two years. Clearly, for some reason, he's really good at motocross, but he's even better in supercross for some reason. You know, all these kids are pretty new at supercross, yeah. but it seems to work for him. Right. So he's going to make his, you know, big bike debut at that event. I mean, you just never know. Like, what if... What if they got beat by somebody like that? Yeah. It's like, it reminds yeah. me of um, why the big stars don't do the NBA slam dunk competition anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. You have nothing to gain and something to lose. Yeah. So now, that's kind of that thing. Like, imagine if Plessinger doesn't even win that. Like, if he goes to Unadilla and just gets 10th or 15th, they'd be like, well, he's That's new. okay. Yeah, right. But if you go to the Monster Cup and you do not win it, it will be considered terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. Hey, one, um, one, and I didn't follow it this closely, this much. This I didn't follow Red as as closely as I have in the past for whatever reason. But one thing I didn't see: Troy Lee Designs kid that's turning pro next year. Heft Hoft was he racing? Yeah, he was hurt. Oh, okay, he missed out. All right, so he didn't. Uh, he didn't he was hurt. Uh, so there's a chance he might come back. I heard next year and just race A again. Okay, all right. I feel like you're getting into this strange. Um, like college basketball, college football thing with the staying. Staying back. Because yeah. staying one more year. Because I think now, okay, in Timmy's day, right, what did you do? You just uh, raced until you were yeah. done, and then you just yeah. went to the national. And then, and then you literally, okay, you won seven amateur championships, and you showed up at your first race as a total privateer. Yes. Yeah, no one even heard of you. Right. No one cared. Nothing. Yeah, right. and they said the same thing. Right. The team Green Rider forever, he showed up at Washougal. And, like, no one involved with Patrick Kawasaki had ever even, like, heard his name. <laughs> right, right. Really, really I different time. Right, I know. So I think now it is known. It's so opposite of that. Like, do not go to the pros without a factory ride. Do not. Right. There's three or four of them going out every year. You've got to be one of those guys. You know? So now I think you're starting to see riders like Luke Rensland, Kawasaki had a kid, Nick Gaines, who could have graduated last year and stayed. There's a lot of riders like that that are, like, uh, Colt Nichols, who's another one. I think Nichols at one point was rumored to be on Jimmy Albertson's team for this year that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead he raced arena cross. Instead he stayed as an amateur. I think you've all of a sudden got all these guys are like, dude, I, if I don't get a ride, I just have to keep trying because you cannot show up as a privateer. It doesn't work anymore. You have to get on one of these teams. You know who did show up as a privateer, though? Wasn't that long, though, either. Blake Baggett. Remember? Baggett. Comes yeah, out of he went out and earned it. He, he comes out of Loretta's. Uh, there was talk of him and Dean Wilson. Who's going to get a spot at Pro Circuit? They chose Wilson. And uh, I don't know if it was already decided or not, but Baggett showed up for the last three races, logged the second fastest time, I think, at Bud's. And 
put in some good rides for the last two races, three races, and uh, got himself a Suzuki ride that next year. But that was that's a rarity. Yeah, you don't see that. But Blake and his family were like, screw it. We're going racing. Yeah, they drove the motorhome. I think it was Steel City or so. He was, like, running up front, like, fourth the whole moto. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Like, honestly, without that moto, here's Blake Baggett, who has now had great success. Yeah. Who knows where he would be? Yeah. It took one awesome moto at Steel City as a pro, which is not easy to do. Right. You know, his mom driving the motorhome, and it's like they had no program or clue what they were even doing. Yeah. If he hadn't pulled off one great finish, who the heck even knows, man? Yeah. It's very – it's – Here's what I get worried about when I see this, the evolution of this event over the years. Right. It's, and the whole sport is like this. It's becoming, I don't think have or have not is the exact right word for it, mm-hmm. but it is a, you're either all in or don't even bother. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm going to ask Timmy at, at Unadilla, like, what do you think the difference is Timmy's preparation for his last year at Loretta's in, what, 91? Was that yeah. last year? Yeah, yeah. What was he doing to prepare for Loretta's that year compared to what he had Hampshire doing to prepare for this year? Yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts for sure. It's nuts. Right, and if you're not willing to do that, which, like, I'm a parent now. Now i got a boy coming in a month, Yeah, and i got to decide it like this. I'm like, man, what if he wants to do this? You're like, dude, is it even fun anymore? Like, can you go down there and just ride whenever and have fun, and in the wintertime you got to park the bikes because it's cold? I don't think can so. Can you even no. do that? No, I don't think you can. You need to go to south of the border or Club MX. Right, but, man, that's what. Um, I mean, that's got to be intimidating to a lot of people. I don't, I'm not pulling my kid out of school to have him race dirt bikes. That's crazy. Did you talk to the, uh, the great Tim Ferry at all? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, who's a, one of the best guys to hang out down there is actually Timmy's dad. Oh, I didn't know, um, I didn't know Big Tim was down there. Oh, he's always there. Well, you know, now he's a grand, now he's got the grandson racing. True, true, right. Yep. But we always make the joke, he'll show up and you'll just see him in the announcer's tower with sunglasses on looking out. And I'm always like, you're just downloading data, just scouting information. <laughs> Who's Timmy got to beat next year? What about Big Ron Tishner? Show up? I did not see him. Oh, jeez. I don't understand. I don't understand. The first time ever that I haven't seen Ron Tishner's dad. Didn't know. Have... The fairies are there. I hung out with him a lot. Yep. Hey, um... Evie Ferry told me this story I did not know. Hmm. She said that one year in Supercross, Timmy was feeling it in practice and decided to throw a no-footed can-can. Yeah, um, St. Louis, 99. No, St. Louis, oh, 2000. You know this story. St. Louis, 2000. Yeah. In practice. Yes. Why? On the big, there was a big double, and it was really big. I don't know if it was a finish line or not, but last lap of practice, he comes around and throws a no-legged can-can and can't get his feet back and breaks his thumb. Yes. Larry Brooks thought he was going to choke him. I thought Brooks was going to choke the rider out. Out for six weeks. I was like, why did he do this? He's like, he was just feeling it. He's just feeling it. <laughs> um, I'm, like, I'm like, no offense, but not the rider I would expect to have he, heard this story about. He did, he did the same no-footed can-can in a Moto Triple X video, which he says to this day is the greatest no-footed can-can ever caught on film. Oh, uh, I and, see. And I think he was trying to maybe – recreate that i don't know i don't know but um just, just not what you think of when you think of tim ferry like he'd be good if he could just stop with the freestyle <laughs> just, just can't focus he's got x games on his mind he's got right, right. yeah flashy <laughs> um no so i did talk to timmy down there uh, best um, uh best rumor you heard in the beer tent hold on here let me think about this definitely heard some good stuff i do want to say by the way that one of the ways the economy has hurt this event is 
the people are still racing. I don't think the racing part of the event has really been affected that much. Mm-hmm. But industry expense accounts mustn't be what they used to be because it was like every industry person was at Loretta's for a day or two at some point. And they really didn't have any work to do, so they were just getting hammered. <laughs> Nowadays, now? people have to actually justify the travel budget a little yeah. more. <laughs> well, okay. Like, you yeah. don't need to go to Loretta's. Why are you going to Loretta's? No, you're not going. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, as you would imagine in this day and age, um, I think it was a lot of, a lot of talk about you know, drug testing and does this oh, help and who's right. using this. And, um, the amateurs are all geeked up. The, the, the amateurs are all roided up and, yeah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. I'm trying to think. I think there was something a little bit more interesting. What did you hear about RV? Did you hear anything about RV? RV was there. Yeah, I know. Another, just like Redbud, another fantastic performance. Comes up to the announcer's tower smiling, great analysis. Did he hit you in the awesome. did, he, did he hit you in the nuts with the back of his hand? Well, we asked Bowers, you know, where are you racing next year? And he's like, Well, I got a three year deal with Babbitts for Arena Cross, so we'll just have to see. No, oh, jeez. And then R V leaves and I'm like, Hey bro, I just hooked you up. I didn't ask you the question that everybody wants to know. And then he just huge smile, flip off, I think some uh bad language. Yep. And then for good measure flip me off again, I think through the windows oh, of the yeah, yeah. tower. Right. Just loving it. Yeah. Um, and to his credit, man, it was like Wednesday night, and there he was hanging out. You know, he he came out, he mm-hmm. hung out. Mm-hmm. Um, he really, the two times I've seen him at the track now, he's been in an awesome mood. Like all other things aside, I don't know how he feels about racing and other stuff, but yeah, he's been good. And he said, man, he described his knee injury. He said it's way, way, way worse than the previous knee injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear now. Uh, I hear now. Supercross fifteen is is out no matter what. Well, he said it's probably going to be seven months for him to get on a bike, so you just do some math in right. November. So if he doesn't retire, it might be just motocross over here. I do not believe he's going to Europe. I, I don't. People I talk yeah, to. Yeah, I'm definitely it. hearing the same type of thing. Yeah. That's not, yeah. that's not uh, happening. Um, um, all right. Anything else? Well, one thing I think you would like is um, okay. in Learn. one 65 class, there was a battle for second. These two kids were battling second mm-hmm. and third, fourth, fifth, whatever, like yeah. every darn moto is Maximus Voland and Jeremy Ryan. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, Max Voland, that's cool. You know, that's Talon's kid that mm-hmm. you know, Tyson trains him. Right. But I did not realize until later, midway through the week, Jeremy Ryan is Ricky Ryan's son. Oh, I didn't know that either. And they were battling. I'm not kidding. I think in their six motos, they must have battled five of the six motos. Which, and Ricky Ryan and Talon Voland battled, I'm sure. Yeah, because isn't Ricky Ryan from Northern California? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, a little older than, brothers he's older than Talon, but still, at some point, their paths would have crossed. Well, I think, yeah, we, uh, I talked to Talon about it. It was more Tyson. But oh, okay, yeah. Tyson is the trainer for Maximus. Maximus. Even though he's the uncle, So you know how that works. So we got... We, I, I we, say, we have a, I'm not going to listen to my dad, but my uncle, he's cool. We have a Ryder. We have a uh, Maximus. We have a oh. Lorenzo. Oh, yeah. We have... Jet. Jet Reynolds. Jet. We have a Jet. Styles. Um, Styles, we have a Styles. Chad just named his kid Pace. Um, I don't know anymore. I guess every parent says my son or daughter is super special and he must have a special name. Screw the Jasons, the Steves, the Johns. What happened to Brock, man? Yeah, Brocks are all gone. Brocks are all gone. Yeah. Brock is that, in motocross terms has actually become too common. Right, right. So now we're gonna go with another Brock. Oh, and Larocco's kid is named Ryder too. So there's a Ryder. There's a rider. Uh, I'll tell you what. These and then there's a few, if you look at the results here, if you want to dig through all these results, 
there are a few parents that took the full-on plunge. They decided we are not – this is not Victoria's Secret fashion show. We're just going full frontal. We're just going for it. <laughs> they just named the kid Racer. Right. That's it. Just boom. We're leaving nothing in the imagination. Right. It's just straight-up Racer. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, thanks for, thanks for doing this. And, Davey, thanks for Davey Coombs for coming on. Um, BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing, Loretta Lynn's Wrap-Up. And uh, Jason Wygant was there all week. And uh, like I said, thanks to Davey for doing it. Thanks, Weege. Appreciate it. We'll see you at Unadilla, man. All right, man. See you. See you. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know, he did the big pancake thing. Right, and right. and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely, 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride and you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years come.